0: It's now time for the Billy C show. Part of the BillyCboxing.com network.
1: And we're coming to you live from the Billy C studios. Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by lots of things. No, a few things. Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Uh, if you're looking for uh, that simulation game, look no further than Title Bout. Check out our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the banner. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by southern gourmet spice.com if you're looking for the best uh barbecue rub and seasoned salt and my favorite the blackened uh um, seasoning check out southern gourmet spice.com and finally today's show is being brought to us in part by my book tom Molino from bondage to baddest men on the planet is available right now we're all good books are sold you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to this very show just visit BarnesandNoble.com or Amazon.com. Uh, joining us in a little bit, we got Dax Khan coming up, and uh, also my main man Alex Papali. Uh, we're going to talk about a few things today. Um, first and foremost, uh, Demetrius Andre uh, won a unanimous decision uh, when he defended his WBO middleweight title last night uh, at the Hard Rock in Hollywood, not California, Hollywood not California, Hollywood, Florida. Yeah. Yeah. It was in Florida, man. Um, and it was a one-sided fight, except i I tell you something. The one thing, Demetrius Andre, in my opinion, is in a is a very talented fighter. Um, but he, for some reason, he's just not exciting to watch at all. Normally he's boring. Uh, he was a little more exciting last night against Williams. Um, but, uh, Uh, Again, you know, he's uh, the big, big fight has eluded him, uh, and you can see why. I mean, look, he's got hand speed. He's got power. He was a little more aggressive last night against Leon Williams. Um, I'm kind of shocked Leon Williams didn't catch up with him. He did stun him a few times. uh, But then again, uh, Williams had no answer for the uppercut. Uh, Boo Boo Andre seemed to land it at will. Uh, The way the judges scored it was pretty much one-sided. Two of the judges had it, 118-109. The third had it, 116-111. Demetrius dropped Leon Williams uh, early in the fight, uh, but uh, uh, he recovered from that. It was the second round. with uh, Basically, I I mean, uh, Williams, uh, I'm sorry, Andre landed some other punches that seemed to to be more powerful than the the classic 1-2 that dropped... uh, Ah, uh, williams in in the second round. And it also seemed like he he wasn't really paying attention to the count because when when the referee got to nine, uh, he kind of jumped up, it was like, oh, shit, <laughs> uh, he's at nine. um but uh, but the truth of the matter was is you know, I, I think williams, this is the problem, look, look, boys and girls, this is the problem with the sanctioning bodies. Um, Williams was a mandatory for Andre. Uh, it was a payday for Andre, but it was a little tougher than he thought. Williams give him all the credit in the world. Uh, he's a tough fighter. He drops at twenty three wins, three losses, and a draw. Uh, Demetrius Andre is still undefeated at thirty and zero with eighteen knockouts. Um, my one comment uh, on this fight was the simple fact that I thought uh, the referee was extremely uh, one sided. He was clearly biased and rooting for Andre. I mean uh andre was holding leon williams i thought more than williams was holding andre and, uh, williams held andre when he was stunned a couple of times during the fight but andre uh, seemed to be holding williams more and the referee kept uh, uh pretty much uh, yelling uh at uh at leon williams um where do the fighters go from here? Well, i, I tell you the truth. I, I have no problem seeing Leon Williams go back to the drawing board and, and try and make another run at a, at a uh, world title shot. This was his first. Demetrius Sandre, he needs a big fight, man. He needs to fight uh, somebody uh, that's known. The guy that comes to mind for me, uh, even though I, I haven't been uh, that uh, uh, keen on him ever, was is Keith Thurman. I would love to see Keith Thurman uh, fight Demetrius Andrade. Um, you know, or I—I uh, I, I don't know. There's there's some other fighters uh, out there that uh, uh, I would like to see him fight. I, Keith Thurman, for some reason, pops into my head uh, right away uh, when I think of Demetrius Andrade. Maybe uh, because their uh, their styles are similar, um, I, you know, uh, but. Uh, some other I mean they were talking about Triple G uh, possibly fighting him or him trying to get a fight with Triple G uh, you know Triple G uh, he's he's been there done that how much more do we expect out of uh, Triple G I mean uh, truthfully uh, how much more do we expect uh, out of him um, you know I, I just think that uh, he's uh, uh, a kind of a guy that um, I, we've seen the best, and I, I don't know how much more we have to uh, see of him, to be honest with you. You know, a, uh, a, a, a catchweight type of a fight, Sean Porter or Errol Spence or Terrence Crawford against Michi Sanjate, I mean, it did come in at 159. I know those are welterweight names I just shot out. Uh, but uh, uh, it, it looks like um, Errol Spence, uh, listen, I, I could see where Errol Spence uh, could come down to one fi- uh, to, uh, I'm sorry, come up to 154 And Demetrius Andre was a champ at 154 That would be a nice fight to see I mean, uh, Demetrius Andre needs a big fight I don't know who's out there I don't know, know any dance partners for him They uh, like say Triple G I mean, obviously uh, Canelo Alvarez is campaigning at Super Middle now um, I, You know, I don't see Andre standing a chance with him um, I mean, just for argument's sake, let's let's see. I have the I have the rankings here for uh, for middleweight. When you look at uh, other fights uh, for him, um, Jamie Mugaya would be uh, decent. I, listen, the Charlo brothers. I, I I think the Charlo brothers are overrated. Uh, hey, that's a good fight. How about how how about Jamal Charlo uh, against uh, Demetrius Andre? How about that? Um, how about uh even a Chris Eubank Jr. uh against him. You know, um two uh two fighters that uh you could uh you could ask uh to make a fight. and I guess Triple G if he's still gonna uh campaign and, and fight. I, I I just you know, I, I the best of Triple G is behind him. Uh I, I see him uh um you know I, I just don't see him uh up there the way he was. Could he beat Dimitri sandre I think so. I think a good bodywork guy would slow down Demetrius Andrade, and uh, that's that. Uh, the other thing is, is that uppercut that he was landed on, Leon Williams, was pretty sneaky, but I, I, Williams had his hands up. He had his hands up, and uh, Andrade still was getting through, so I, I, I got to give him some credit uh, on that for sure. Uh, some other things I wanted to talk about real quick, and we'll get to these. Uh, we'll be talking about more of these when Dax comes on and also – uh, when Alex comes on But last uh, week We had a pretty uh, Entertaining fight I mean What what a what a, what a light heavyweight fight to watch uh, Joe Smith Jr. Uh, took a majority decision Over Maxim Vlazov uh, Last week in a WBO Light heavyweight title It was for the vacant title 114-114 uh, Was the way one judge scored it and the other two had it 115-1. One, uh, I'm sorry, one had it 115-113. The other had it 115-112. Um, it was a tough fight to score. I, I, I don't I, I don't disagree with Smith winning. I wouldn't have disagreed if they gave it to Vlazov. And I certainly didn't disagree with the even score, 114-114. I, I thought it was a, a, an entertaining fight. Um Vladzov seemed to end uh land more punches. he seemed to lose some pop out of him. there were definitely some rounds where Smith uh just just lost flat out but the kid has heart Smith has heart uh clearly has punching power. I love the fight i I mean to tell you the truth, I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch uh of that fight um I know uh, uh Smith has has had a uh, a pretty uh uh i would say uh, blue collar type uh, career. And I think that that's why people like him so much. He's never out of a fight because of his pop. Uh, but, he, you know, he's not exactly uh, the smoothest boxer. I thought Vlazov clearly was the better boxer, but didn't have enough pop. Uh, Smith also was much bigger. Uh, loved the fight. If you missed it, pop that one up. Um, in the heavyweight division on that uh, card, uh, also, a uh, uh, top 12-ranked uh, fe- uh, heavyweight, Effie uh, Algebra, uh, improved to uh, 15-0 with 12 knockouts uh, when he took care of uh, Brian Howard, uh, knocked him out uh, viciously uh, in the third round. And I-, I love this, Gerard, the real baby, uh, Anderson, uh, improved to 9-0 with nine knockouts when he knocked out uh, Jeremiah Carpensey. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much you want to really put uh some emphasis on this Win for Anderson. Uh he's maintained his nine uh win all by knockout uh uh resume. Uh but Carpency uh uh although his record may look like he's a a, a real good fighter eh, not so much, not so much. Uh but a good fight. Uh, for Anderson in his ninth professional fight uh, It looked good on paper um, The other fight uh, that I wanted to mention Was Conor Benn improved to 18-0 with 12 knockouts uh, When he uh, uh, beat Samuel Vargas uh, in London um, 80 seconds is what it took for him to to win that fight He's ranked in the top of 15 By two of the major sanctioning bodies And Samuel Vargas is a tough guy He dropped to 31-7 and seven. Um, Obviously, he complained of the stoppage, but uh, I I think it was justifiable. So some fights uh, that took place uh, last week uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Uh, Another thing that I'm going to talk about uh, with the guys when they come on is uh, the WBC announced that they're doing a 115-pound tournament, and um, it's going to feature... Obviously, the top four uh, fighters in that weight class, uh, Roman Gonzalez against uh, Juan Francisco Estrada, uh, will be one of the matchups, the rematch uh, of uh, that fight. would actually be the third one that those two have gone at it, and the first two were great, and I wouldn't expect anything less. Um, I kind of thought Roman Gonzalez squeaked by that last fight against Estrada, although Estrada came on strong in the second half of the fight. Um, I, I don't know. I would have been happy with a the draw there. But Suraskat uh, Song Rungsgavai, and I know I just murdered his name, uh, against Carlos Kudras. That's the second uh, fight of the four-fighter tournament. And then the two winners uh, would fight each other. I like it. I think uh, uh, it's definitely putting the top four 115-pounders together uh, and uh, battling it out. One other thing I'll mention uh, real quickly is the fight that we've all been talking about, uh, Anthony Joshua against Tyson Fury, a heavyweight unification fight. Um, They claim that it's been signed, sealed, and delivered. Um, You know, uh, there has been, um, you know, some talk about where the fight will be. Well, apparently um, that fight uh, should be Finalized, or at least um, uh, we talk a little more about it. Offers. Uh, this is what they, 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 This is where where I, I just feel that um, it's it's BS sometimes with uh, uh, with fights. Um, you know, I I think that uh, um, I, I think that uh, this particular fight is. I think they're going to run into to some snacks uh with it i, I just you know I, I think that uh um we're gonna see some uh some uh, some roadblocks so to speak um with this fight uh, we shouldn't but i believe we will um you know I, they're saying that they have uh people that um have put in big bids um you know and who knows who knows where it's going to go I, I just think that uh i just think that there's going to be um uh, uh, some problems i i just think that it's going to we're going to end up with um we're going to end up with some stumbling blocks uh with the fight um so uh, i i i don't know um hopefully we we won't um but you know uh only time will will tell uh with that but uh uh, anyway, let me take a, a short break, and when I come back, uh, I should have uh, uh, Dax Kahn uh, on the show. So, uh, uh, don't uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C. will be right back.
0: Check out BillyCBoxing.com now, or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that
1: that's my face. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at... Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KOFantasyBoxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man. www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com. And tell them Billy C sent you the one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, Talking Boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. Because we want you to be there with Billy and me.
0: Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson.
1: Wait a minute, man. Hold on there. Jeremy, man, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C, damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap.
0: The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back. The show at BillyCBoxing.com.
1: And we're back. you're watching and listening to the Billy C Show glad you could be with us. And you know something I, I, I can't stand the bullshit that you go through with uh, signing into stuff. Don't don't you don't you uh, I don't know about you, but you know why do you got to change your fucking password a hundred times? And why can't you, uh, you know all of a sudden just go with the same path what why, why do, did it secure oh no you can't use that one you used that one in the last year or so you know oh, you can't use that that's too much like your other one you know uh, it's like you know give me a fucking break you know I, I'm here I am trying to log in trying to get my man Dax on the phone right but no you can't do that because uh you know it's a it's a pain in the ass you know it's uh it's like uh uh, oh, no, no. Uh, we we want to make sure it's you. We, we want to make sure it's you. Yeah, well, I know. Who who else wants to uh, log into my account? I mean, you know, is, is it that bad? You know, are, are you as much uh, sick of the, the censoring and the bullshit that we're going on right now? I hate to go off on uh, down a different path, but, you know. And we, we try to coordinate stuff. We try to do timing. You think I want to take a commercial break? I don't want to take a fucking commercial break. I want to go to my man Doc's. And, uh, you know, I, I can't even do it because I, I got to change freaking passwords. I'm lucky I remember my last goddamn password. Anyway, hey, listen, you know what I do remember? Is I remember that Kenny Bear's barbecue rub is the bomb. Uh, get yourself a bottle right now. Visit southerngourmetspice.com. Make sure you tell them Billy C sent you. And I told you guys, my new favorite uh, is the Cajun uh, blackened season. Oh, man, it's uh, it's great stuff. Uh, but anyway, uh, joining me right now is my man, Dax Khan. What's up, Dax?
0: Hey, what's going on? I didn't know how. I didn't see online. I didn't see Alex.
1: Well, you know, the problem is, is that I had to change my password. And I, it just it just it just pissed me off because I was all ready to log in and it said oh no we got to confirm that you, it's you so then I had to log into an email account oh here's the code punch the code in okay oh for your security change your password oh okay let me change your password oh sorry you used that one too soon you've used that one in the last two years. <laughs> Uh, I did that uh, you know you got to you got to add you you got to add a, ca- a special character oh, oh nope not that character try another one it's like you know what you fuck you know i want to throw it across the room but uh, anyway they don't,
0: have, they, don't have the, they don't allow the middle finger as the character
1: yeah, anymore so. yeah Jeez, <laughs> uh, it just it just got me uh going but last night uh dimitri sandre uh beat leon williams it was a fight i think in my opinion dax that Showed us a little more aggressiveness from uh, Demetrius Andre, but he's lacking something. I don't know what it is. I-, I don't know. What was your thoughts on the fight?
0: Oh, that was terrible, huh? Well, I mean, don't don't get me. I mean, look, Williams is a tough guy. Um, make make no mistake. But um, I mean, really, now Demetrius Andre for a long time has been talking about how nobody wants and. We have on the show several times over the years said, you know, Demetrius Andrade is one of the best middleweights in the world and why isn't he in there with the top mix? And a lot of people have asked, you know, with these questions. But you know, my point is that Demetrius Andrade at one point in time was in a horrible, horrible contract. And I remember going and covering one of his fights I think it was up, not at the Mohican Sun, it was at, um yeah, Mohican Sun, and that's where, the same day that Floyd Mayweather fought Miguel Cotto, and he goes in there and he blasts out a guy named Rudy Cisneros, and if you go back, you can pull up the footage somewhere on YouTube, where I'm just... Wasn't really all that impressed. This corner asked me, uh, why not? I said, well, let's see what happens when he faces a top name. And they said, well, they don't want to pay him the money he's worth. When they start want to come out of their pocket, that's when they start facing the big names. And that was 2012. And since then, really, what has Demetrius Andre done that would warrant you to say he belongs in with the top names?
1: Well, I, that's that's my point. I don't know. I mean, they kept talking about Triple G last night. Um, Triple G is at the end of his career. I I don't even know why he's still fighting. To be honest with you, yeah, he's got the IBF title, uh, but you know who who's who, who could uh, Demetrius Andrade fight? I mean, I would like to see him fight uh, Jamal Char- Jamal Charlo because I think Char- Charlo's a, a fraud. Uh, but Jamie Mugaya, Chris Eubank Jr. I mean. Uh, those are better fights than Triple G. Triple G, I I know, is a money fight, and I think Triple G, even at this advanced age, beats Andre, but um, I, it's just so... Uh, the division has become weak. It really has. I mean, Canelo's out of it, even though he's still ranked uh, by the WBC. I, I don't know. Maybe Murata? Royota Murata? Who, what do you think?
0: Well, Murata, that... Eddie Hearn last night... You know, did you catch him final comments? <clears throat> no. About Triple G. You know, the post fight interview where he's saying, because Triple G and Murata are supposed to fight at the end of this year on the zone. And Eddie Hearn comes out with a comment. I'm paraphrasing something to the point where he says, well, Triple G is scheduled to fight Murata in December. Triple G should be sitting there and asking the zone for a fight with Demetrius Andre now. Okay. I agree that Triple G. I'm not sure when his birthday is, but I, you know, by um, time he fights Murata, he will be 40 years old. The inactivity at this age, especially, is you know detrimental. And um, you know, at any point in time, overnight, you can age in boxing 20 years compared to the average person's one. So um, who knows what could happen against Murata. And then they will use this angle, saying, "Well, Andre is too big of a risk," yet. Golovkin, nobody had, when he was 33, nobody was calling Golovkin out. People who were bashing Golovkin, Bill, remember, for fighting all the guys that the other guys supposedly weren't fighting because they hadn't reached the level to earn a fight with them. So Triple G goes and he's murdering that division, and he was... Bashed for not fighting the top names, but the top names want him now that he looks vulnerable and he's not so detrimental to your health.
1: No, I I agree with that. And and the thing is, the other issue we learned about Triple G throughout his career, uh, aging or not, he needed to stay active. So not only is he fighting father time, he's fighting inactivity. So um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I don't think we need to see uh, any more Triple G? I mean, yeah, I, I mean,
0: a, a win over Triple G, Bill, looks great on the resume since Canelo's the only guy that beat him in such a close fight. The only problem is fans today, whether or not they're social media fans or whether or not they're you know fans that only watch every now and then, they're not really overly familiar with Box Rec, but they know what Box is, they're going to look on there and see a win over a Triple G who's only lost to Canelo, and that's going to look great on the resume of, of Andre, but BoxRec doesn't put on there that Triple G actually flew to the fight on discount tickets with his AARP card.
1: Right. <laughs> no, right. I hear you. Hey, one thing I want to ask you, maybe it was just me, but it seemed to me that the referee in the uh, Demetrius Andre and leon Williams fight was favoring uh, Demetrius a little bit. He kept... Um, yelling at Williams, I thought Demetrius Andrade, with the exception of the times that um, you know Williams was 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 hurt, I thought Andre was holding more than than uh, Williams. What, what what do you think?
0: Oh, I, I don't understand. Andrade, technically, in all honesty, and I've seen a lot of people complaining on Twitter about that, saying, and not that anybody was given the inclination. That Andre holding was keeping him from getting knocked out or anything. It was just that excessive holding. Very much reminded me of Ricky Hatton at Welterweight where it was 1-2 and hold. And then no, there was no reason why uh, Roberto Ramirez should have allowed that. You know what I'm thinking to myself in that fight is if Liam Williams is giving Demetrius Andre such a hard time by being such a tough guy and just pushing forward... I don't know if Demetrius Andrade would actually beat Sergey Derevchenko.
1: Well, there's some there, there, I I Demetrius Andrade um is I, I, he I, I don't know he needs a dance partner and he's starting to age uh, of fighting nobodies. I, oh yeah, I, I he
0: definitely did not look very sharp. But I mean, he just he just goes and gets by in his career lately.
1: But he did he did he was a little more ex. I hate to use the word exciting when, when you're talking about Boo Boo Andre because he's just not an exciting fighter. But based on what he, we're used to seeing with him, he was a little more exciting yesterday. Um, but speaking of exciting fights, we didn't get a chance to do a show. But last week, uh, Joe Smith Jr. won the vacant WBO light heavyweight title with a majority decision over Maxim Vlazov, which I thought was an exciting fight. I mean, edgy a seat. Uh, for 12 rounds, I wouldn't have uh, uh, been upset with any decision, whether it went to Vlazov, Smith, or even a draw. What was your thoughts on that one?
0: You know, Joe Smith Jr. is a guy that you have to like. When I say have to like, I mean he's the genuine blue-collar guy. You know, Joe Smith Jr. is a fighter where I remember being at the ballroom in Manhattan at the, you know, uh, what they was billed as last dance at the ballroom. That was just, you know, when the, uh, Roseland ballroom, had closed down where Lou DeBella had thrown many of his Broadway boxing cards and he was fighting, I believe it was, that was before, um, he was fighting Otis Griffin and fans were actually walking out during the fight, you know, by the fourth round. The place was pretty much empty. And now Joe Fit- Joe Smith Jr., he goes, he gets some good wins. He knocks Bernard Hopkins out of the ring. Everybody chalks it up as, well, okay, he beat a very old Bernard Hopkins, especially because of that one sided loss to Sullivan Barrera. And then Dimitri Bavall, other than that one punch where Bavall thought the bell had rang. Joe Smith Jr. had caught him behind the ear. He hadn't done much. He takes a little bit of time off. He comes back with a great jab. He um, outboxes Jesse Hart with that jab. He um, knocks out a former world champion, and then in the Vlasov fight, I really thought he was going to overpower Vlasov, but the awkwardness really bothered Joe Smith, and you could see that at times where he did what he did in, he did exactly what lost him, the Sullivan Barrera and Dimitri buval fights, and that's where he shelled up on the rope. so I don't know my point to that is, Joe Smith kind of regressed at certain times in that fight, and I'm happy he won a world title. I would like to see Joe Smith not abandon his team, but I would like his team to actually bring in somebody else that can help Joe Smith remain composed and fight and not shell up on the ropes when these guys are letting their hands go. Because Vlasov wasn't really hurting him. He was confusing him.
1: Well, Vlasov uh, was landing a lot of punches, but he didn't have much towards the end of the fight especially he didn't have it didn't seem to have much pop on him
0: yeah no and, and blaswell not a big puncher in general he's just an awkward herky jerky guy which can make anybody look bad my point is that you know Joe Smith even though he wasn't getting hurt he shells up on them ropes, and that's concerning when he goes in there against some of these bigger, uh, you know, some of these more experienced names on the next level, because he's now the hunter. Joe Smith Jr. is no longer the hunter, and he can't shell up on the ropes like that. I believe Joe Smith Jr. has the power to knock out anybody with a single blow. We know this. He's strong. But in terms of going out there in an elite fight against one of these other champions, in this case, you'd want to say an Arthur Beterbiev, who Joe Smith Jr. and Arthur Biev, if they stood and they slugged it out, I'm telling you, whoever lands that first really big punch is going to win. But Joe Smith Jr., if he showed up on the ropes like that, he'd be easy work for Arthur.
1: Yeah. Would you like to see a rematch? Because I, I know that I would.
0: Yeah, I'd like to see a rematch. I definitely would. The fight, in my opinion, could have went to Vlasov. There was a lot of people who thought it should have went to Vlasov. It was one of those fights where two points either way was okay with me. I'm happy Joe Smith got the win. I just want to see Joe Smith improve now. Get a couple soft title defenses against guys that are a little bit versatile work on a few things and then Joe Smith jr go in there and get himself a big money fight because the guy he deserves it Joe Smith jr is generally what boxing is about
1: well that's the, the story a better
0: life for yourself yeah, you know that, Joe Smith jr has gotten himself into a position he can get a big payday where he can
1: retire well that's that's what you know we hope uh who do you like yeah what about a, a Dimitri bivel fight
0: no no Dimitri bivel again Joe smith jr has the power to knock to knock out anybody but Dmitry bivel just baffles you know guys you know Dimitri bivel is that good and we're gonna find out exactly what dmitri bivel might have lost in um less than two weeks away because dmitry bivel hasn't been in the ring since 2019 but you know dimitri bivel when he's on point is as good as anybody in the game
1: Yeah, but we also have talked on this show several times that Bivol would be effective at 168, and there's a guy named Canelo Alvarez uh, at 168 that I would love to see those two fight. Uh, To me, that would be uh, an entertaining fight, and it would be a challenging fight for Canelo. He seems to not uh, be challenged lately.
0: Well, as much as people hate to say it, Canelo is just that good.
1: No I, Where, I'm I agree you
0: know, I mean it's it's plain and simple. Bill, I remember coming on the show after I, we did a post fight for Canelo. Or it might have been grouped in with an, with a, with another uh, event that went on that night, but it and I remember because it was one of these one o'clock in the morning shows. But remember when Canelo had fought um, Shane Mosley, and I remember Shane Mosley talking about you know how hard he hits, and I remember telling you about one another Canelo fight that I had went to where uh, the when Canelo had. Um, fought the Riverside Rocky when I was ringside. And you can hear those body punches. Yep, Canelo was raw. And now what we have here in Canelo is a guy that looked practically unbeatable.
1: Yeah, it was interesting to to see uh, his comments about Mayweather recently where he said, well, if I fought him now, I'd, I'd destroy him. And he admitted that he fought him a little early. His ego got with it. He was invincible. He, he didn't know the sport. But he also gave credit Uh, to Floyd in a sense because he said that he learned a lot from that fight and he, he mentally vowed to himself and to his team that he would never lose again and you can make the argument that Canelo has challenged himself I never believe and you know this more than anyone I've never believed that Floyd Mayweather ever really challenged himself and as a result we never got to see the best Floyd we got to see Floyd fight uh, fighters, he knew he was going to win. And that's why he fought Canelo when he did. I think Floyd did recognize the talent in Canelo, and he also recognized that he better fight him now because he'd never stand a chance. He would never stand a chance with him in the ring now. Not you that you would expect Floyd to come out of retirement uh, at 40-plus years old and, and fight a, a guy like Canelo uh, now, but it is true. I do think that Canelo... Uh, it would destroy Floyd now, and if it was the same Canelo mindset, uh, now would have destroyed him back then. What's your thoughts?
0: Well, Canelo, Canelo doesn't get hit very clean. Um, now my only thought would be, can can could Canelo get Floyd to come off the ropes? And actually come after him.
1: You see, now that, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's where Canelo has improved. Canelo, I don't think Floyd would be successful with his little, uh, you know, uh, hiding and shoulder roll and running and all of that. Canelo has learned to cut the ring off and he's learned to work the body to his advantage. Where I think he he would stop Floyd easily. I, I don't even think it would be a challenging fight. Should Floyd have the you know Watts to come out of retirement to fight this guy, which he's never indicated that he was going to come out of retirement, just a dream matchup. He he doesn't stand a chance with with Canelo. Not a chance.
0: No, not at you know not at this age. And Floyd has nothing to prove by uh, fighting Canelo. But this version of Canelo is definitely on another level. He at that point in time. Yeah, he had some fights with um, lower-level guys. Um, I think it was Gomez, um, former welterweight champion, Kermit Citrone, uh, Mosey, like I mentioned. Um, I think he had fought uh actually Lovemore and more Endow, and Baltimore but those were, I believe, in Mexico. You know, Canelo's a guy that learned on the job, and look what the result is here now. We have the best fighter in the world, hands down. I don't care what anybody says. It's just Canelo is that good. And, you know, to, to sit there and talk more about it is just being a cheerleader. So all I can say is 363, 17, and four with 256 knockouts is the resume of his last 11 opponents. 10 of them world champions. He is the only the second three division simultaneous world champion and the only the first simultaneous lineal champion in two divisions in the history of boxing. That speaks for itself.
1: No doubt. And Canelo
0: is doing this against the very top names. He hasn't been picking out the weakest of
1: champions. Absolutely not. And that's what I love about the guy. But uh, two more things I want to get your thoughts on. One, um, the WBC announced a 115-pound tournament uh that will have four fighters, the top four fighters in that weight class. Uh Roman Gonzalez against one Francisco Estrada the third fight. Uh the first two were great. And then uh Sirascat Sir which I know I just murdered his name, against Carlos Kujas, uh then the two winners facing each other. What's your thoughts on this tournament?
0: No, you know, and I love all those fighters, whether or not I've I love Kujas um, you know, Gonzalez, uh, huge fan of Estrada, but they've already done it before. And now that... Roman Gonzalez, he looked very good against Juan Francisco and Estrada. If he fought Rung Rungvisai 100 times, 97 times, the outcome comes out the same, in my opinion. In favor of Rungvisai, he just happens to have Gonzalez's number. And Kudras, I don't know. Kudras... When you look at the one, uh, the last fight he had with Juan Francisco Estrada, he's not the same fighter that he was when he fought Roman Gonzalez the first time. And Roman Gonzalez is a guy that I would love to see go out with a few more wins and not against these top names. Unfortunately for him, and blame boxing for this, Bill, and their lack of promotion and interest of those smaller weights – Roman Gonzalez wasted, not wasted, that's a poor choice of words. Roman Gonzalez was forced to waste the best parts of his career fighting in in, um, Central America, whether or not it was home country of Nicaragua, whether or not it was uh, unknown places in Mexico, against guys that nobody's ever even heard of before. And now Roman Gonzalez being 33 at 115 pounds is like a welterweight being 50.
1: The thing I I I do like about this tournament is I think it's a way and I don't disagree with you uh about anything you said. They're all with the exception of uh and Francisco Estrada, they're all uh, have seen better days really, even uh Rungs VI as well. I mean, he's been in some wars and stuff. But I, I think it's a way that, you know, you look at it and you say, okay, WBC, you know, they're going to, you know, get sanctioning fees for all these fights. So, you know, you know, they're guaranteed at least three big sanctioning fees. But I think the other part of the equation is big paydays for these guys. You know, the one thing that we don't uh, talk about as much as as we should, or we do, but I mean, boxing, is that these little guys that are so action-packed and, you know, pay the price, their pay, their purses are generally lower than any other weight class. And I, I think this type of tournament that it's billed as a tournament would give them all uh, an opportunity to make some paydays. And just like you said with uh, uh, Roman Gonzalez, a third fight with uh, Juan Francisco Estrada would probably net him the biggest paycheck he's gotten to date. And I think for that reason, they deserve to do it. That, that's that's the way I looked at this. And at the end, you know that the, the, the mindset of all four of these guys uh, is to kill or be killed. So you know that you're going to get good fights.
0: No, absolutely. There's never been a, um, a boring fight
1: with any of any those any of guys. Right. Right.
0: Um, if you'd really like to do something special is make sure you got everybody involved. In this tournament, including, you know, the pretty boy, the uh, the IBF super flyweight champion, uh, one that nobody really talks about because he's for whatever reason. I don't know if it's a uh, promotion. I don't know if there is some sort of issue that he can't come and fight in the States, but um, outside his last fight. And uh, and I'm talking about uh, uh, Irwin one. Uh, Cajas. You know, the, the ibf champion you know who hasn't had a had a loss since 2012 and see all these guys go in there have a really great tournament get these paydays that you're talking about and then all of them should start kind of walking away from the sport they maxed out in weight and a lot of these younger fighters that are coming up in these divisions are pretty dangerous i mean have you looked at the ratings for you know flyweight uh, super Flyweight, you know, the, these uh, these smaller, younger guys, you know, um, who are going to move up, give another few fights um, over at Flyweight, and uh, Julio Cesar Martinez is going to move up. Um, you're going to get, you know, the Wonder Boy is going to move up. Um, Nakatani is going to move up. You know, these guys are in their early 20s, and what would end up happening, in my opinion, is these guys that we're speaking about now would just end up being names on a resume.
1: Well, uh... You know you're right about um, Julio Cesar Martinez. I mean he he's one of the, those guys that we're going to be looking at. I just think that it's a way. I, I just think it's blatant with the WBC given these because the, these guys are at the end of it, all of them, even Estrada. And I just think it would it would give them a deserving uh, larger payday. You know because you're right, the young guns are going to come up um, in that division, and and these guys are going to have. All of them are going to have trouble against uh, uh, the names you mentioned. But um, well, Speaking
0: and, of young guns, last night, two of the biggest prospects in the sport lost close fights.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, it's the way fighters are brought up today. It's just don't even get me started. I, you can't – just because they're undefeated doesn't mean they're a good fighter, you know, and, and that's what I can't stand with a lot of the the fan bases today. But my my last question I have for you – Um, is, you know, we're all talking and hoping that the uh, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury fight actually happens Um, this weekend. uh, I guess uh, um, they're going to either make a decision or they're getting the final offers on the table. Do you think this fight's going to happen this year? I mean, we're being promised not one but two fights against these guys this year. It's been a while since uh, uh, Fury's fought... Do you think something is going to... A wrench is going to be thrown in where this fight gets delayed, or do you think it will happen?
0: I think it'll happen. You know, everything's starting to open back up worldwide. We're starting to see fans in venues. Now, fans are literally clamoring to go to live gates. We got some venues. I think the biggest attendance we've had so far since the return was... The Canelo versus uh, yodrum fight. In
1: Texas, right?
0: Yeah, and that's a AT&T Stadium. I think they had less than 10,000 people, but remember, that holds 90,000 people.
1: Yeah, I thought so they had 15. Right I now, th-
0: fans are dying to go to a big fight. And Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua would be huge, not only because of their popularity, but because it's for all the marbles at heavyweight. So there is no reason why that fight wouldn't happen. Well, it would be, you know, even in win, loser, draw. There is a lot of money to be made there for everybody.
1: They're talking about the Middle East is has got the most money on the table, um, but uh, I just it would suck to to have that fight outside of England. It, it 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 should be in England. I mean, I I would love to have it here in the states, but I would. Do also, they have a venue? How, how, which, well, they they haven't venue uh, they have there. Well, the the where in in uh, in Dubai. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, uh, Dubai and Saudi Arabia, um, they're all, apparently, there's all um, offers on the table, as well as Russia and the US and the UK. Um, But I I think it's going to boil down to even that things are opening up. I'm not sure that full venues where you can have a 90,000 people arena filled. I don't know if that'll happen this year. Uh, I wish it does. I I would pray that it does. Um, I don't see it. Therefore, the site fee is the way that they're going to be forced to go, and that's going to end up in the Middle East. That's what I think. Uh, But but we'll see.
0: I'd like to see them both get a fight, you know, more or less a showcase fight, just to kind of, you know, there's already a lot of interest in that fight, but I'm just saying just just so neither one of them can say that they're lazy even though, yeah, I mean not lazy, I'm saying uh, rusty rather. Um, I know Anthony Joshua did just fight not too long ago against uh, Kubrat Pulev yep. but let him get in one more fight um, by the summertime. Let Tyson Fury get in there and this way, win, lose, or draw, nobody can sit there and say, well, I haven't been in the ring enough we don't have to have have to hear any excuses about COVID and a pandemic. Not saying either one of them will make such an excuse, but that's the go-to excuse right now. And then I would love to see Wembley Stadium, 90,000 fans worldwide on the zone. This would be huge for boxing and it would literally just bring the heavyweight division back to where it belongs on top, unquestionably. And the only other um more prestigious than the heavyweight world champion, meaning, and again, I stress, the heavyweight world champion is the pound-for-pound pound king.
1: Well, uh, allegedly, there's a two-fight deal that's been signed. The The divvying up of the coin has been agreed upon. Um, the first fight, it's a 50-50 split. Second fight is a 60-40. So to have a build-up fight, a showcase fight prior to, really doesn't do anything um, for this fight, as a matter of fact, I think the reasons you gave to have it would be a good reason for the build-up for a rematch, regardless of if the first fight is a one-sided fight. You know, if if somebody gets blown out in a fight, then all those same excuses you're talking about are going to come out, and they're going to look forward to that second fight. So I, I think it is time to have the fight. I think boxing needs this fight, Dax, because. You know, we've been, especially the whole new generation of fans, they, they they don't know any better. They don't know anything different than the than the BS marination of fights, the, the BS of the mandatory that comes in out of left field, the BS from all the sanctioning bodies and all the BS that goes on with that. Man, there's a lot of BS going on. But, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, is this could be an opportunity where once and for all, You got the top two heavyweights, because let's face it, Deontay Wilder's not in the discussion anymore, Uh, mentally, physically. uh, You haven't even heard anything. For all I know, he's uh, playing pool somewhere. But um, the heavyweight division consists of these two guys right now. That's where the spotlight is on, and they got to get it on.
0: And and we need one heavyweight champion.
1: At least for Um, a little while. (laughs) And and hopefully we can get some new heavyweight
0: talent coming in, you know, there are some up-and-coming guys, but the problem with the heavyweight division, and I shouldn't say a problem, because what we love in heavyweight champions is dominance, and take away Vitaly Klitschko, the last two heavyweight champions, not belt holders, mind you, heavyweight champions, is Vladimir and Lennox, Vladimir, for that decade, was so dominant that... People lost interest in the heavyweight division, you automatically just assumed he was gonna win. And Lennox retired in I believe what was that, two thousand and three, so eighteen years ago. And you know, right now the heavyweight division needs a lot of activity and needs a lot of attention if it's gonna get brought to its glory days again. Or 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 what we need to do is we need to have ourselves a genuine, solidified, unquestionable, undisputed bridge away champion.
1: No, there's there's no question. I I agree with that a hundred percent. And uh, I I think I, I, it boils down to the uh, sanctioning body. No,
0: I'm I'm sorry, Bill. I had a problem communication problem here. I thought you said you agreed. We need an undisputed.
1: No, no, champion. no. I do I do agree. <laughs> and but but here's the problem. What will happen is the the Floyd Mayweather Kool Aid. So in other words, it, it, let's say it happens. Let's say you get a, a, a unified. <laughs> A unified champion, right? You got one guy, one champion, heavyweight, world, the world champion. He's got all the belts. Then all of a sudden what's going to happen is the sanctioning bodies are going to start. Well, your mandatory is this guy and your mandatory is that if you don't fight this guy over that guy, you're going to get stripped of your belt. And then that's when the the Mayweather Kool-Aid comes out where the champion will pick the least talented fighter and defend that one and let the the sanctioning body strip. Um, the sanctioning bodies are at fault. They're the ones that should be working together. And you've said on this show many times, listen, they're all in a position to maintain their money. If, if they all play nice and systematically go through the, the mandatories, they're all going to get sanctioning fees as long as they all sanction the same fights. The problem is is that the, the way the sanctioning Uh, Organizations are. Their sanctioning fee won't be as much if they sanctioned it together because they get a percentage of those purses. I know, but the but the point is, but the point is, is that they would be on that ride. And the thing is, is that the problem that you have with the sanctioning bodies now is number one contender in one organization may not be in the top ten of the other. You know, which is ridiculous. But that's a whole other topic and a whole other story. But uh, anyway. Um, I want to let the cat out of the bag. Dax is going to be producing some uh, short uh, uh, videos slash shows or whatever. Uh, so keep, uh, keep an eye out for that on our YouTube channel. We're working on that. And uh, among uh, what you're going to be doing, I hope you get some live uh, stuff from the, the young kids you've been working with, Dax, because uh, I think to sprinkle in uh, some, uh, some kids working out, sparring or whatever, might be uh, advantageous to some other young fans out there.
0: Right now, I am not too popular with USA Boxing.
1: Well, this you're not popular with many people. Tournament
0: oh. that took place, what USA Boxing did, and how they manipulated and changed their rankings around. A lot of their top names did not get where they were supposed to. A lot of guys were just clearly robbed, um, because they were fighting very much like the pros with nobody in attendance, but. Other than the uh, officials, I believe there might have been a few fans, but a lot of guys were literally robbed just due to popularity. And, you know, but, but out of the gym that I'm associated with, Newberg Hook League, they produced four female national champions. Kimberly, Jocelyn, and Natalie Zempatekel. And KK, she is a national champion. So all the females are doing great. I'm definitely 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 would love to bring more attention to the amateur scene on you know on um, our networks
1: well hopefully we can look towards that uh, in the very near future we'll get that ball rolling uh pretty but quickly they, they
0: hate me so much that literally bill i'm being sent direct messages on twitter i mean not twitter on facebook by usa boxing officials asking me to be a little bit nicer when talking about them
1: yeah, well, social media is uh, out of hand. They shouldn't be. Everybody's, you know, I, I, you and I have talked about this. You know, you notice how many tough guys there are out there on social media. No, nobody, nobody says anything to anybody's face anymore. You know, uh, I'm to,
0: mem- members of the executive board, Bill.
1: Same thing. <laughs> same are thing. Or
0: sending me messages on Facebook.
1: Yeah, that's 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 great. That's why. Uh, that's why you're you're on Facebook for our accounts and you're on Twitter for our accounts because you can handle I, I get so pissed off. I can't even I, I can't even deal with having to change passwords, you know. So uh uh
0: feeling feelings get hurt when the head of our organization is a corrupt cop. Was yeah. a corrupt cop.
1: Yeah, well <laughs> hey, it's no different than the pros. It's no different than the pros. And we had that we had that in in the pros many, many times, so and we still do. We still do. So. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Dax, look forward to next week, brother. All right. Have a good day, everybody. All right. That's my man, Dax Khan. Keep up to date with him. He controls the uh, Billy C Boxing uh, website. So uh, make sure you uh, uh, tune into that. Um, we uh, we're gonna be getting uh, uh, Dax. I mean, I'm sorry. We just had Dax. We're gonna be getting Alex Papali on the phone uh, here in a second. Uh, but Foist, I gotta remind everybody. Get a copy of my book, man. Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now. Where all good books are sold. And uh, I, I tell you, uh, my man Alex and Dax both have cameos in the book. Uh, it's a quick read, man. And uh, we are working very hard to bring it to the screen. And we're getting closer and closer. These things take time. These things take time, like, you know, like aging. It takes time. Well, not enough time. But uh, anyway, joining me right now uh, is Boo Boo himself. Uh, not to be confused with looking for some picnic baskets. We got uh, Alex Papali joining us, and Alex, you're wasting away to nothing, man. You're, you're looking great. i not. Not everyone can can see your uh, uh, shot, but uh, kudos to you, brother.
2: Thanks, man. I thought you were going to say uh, uh, (laughs) poo-poo. Here's
1: (laughs) poo-poo. Well, 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 let let me ask you. You know, I I feel guilty every time I talk negatively about Dimitri Sanjay because he's a New England guy, and I know that you you were a big fan of his for a while, and so was I. I, There's just something about him, dude. I mean, yesterday – could, you could make the argument that it was his most exciting fight that he that, that he was in that he engaged he, he was going he stayed uh, uh, on the offensive for most of the fight it's just like mm, nah you know it's just and how about the corner the corners telling him I, I could I, well, I almost called you because the corners going like this the, the his father said right. You know, you know what I mean, right? You know, you could do. You you understand what I'm saying, right? Right? You know, right was like what he's saying. So his comments was you gotta you gotta go you gotta hit him with the left, right? And then you gotta uh, pivot to your left. But you know what I mean, right? And then like he was saying all of this stuff, and I'm going, you're confusing the shit out of him right now. Do you mean a right or do you mean a left or are you just saying okay? I don't know, man. Did you notice that or no?
2: <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's like. Somebody in that corner needed a thesaurus. What's another word for right? Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> correct. Affirmative. Yeah,
1: exactly. Okay, okay, okay. 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 Would have been good. You know, like, you know, but uh, anyway, what was your uh, thought of the performance in general?
2: I, I agree with you that it was one of his definitely more exciting fights uh, throughout, and I think part of that um, has to be given, uh, part of the credit has to be given to Liam Williams because I think that's sort of what happens when you have an aggressive guy um, punch, aggressive sort of puncher versus a uh, counter-punching stylist is it can make for a good fight because the the pressuring punching guy will keep coming forward and force the counter-puncher to keep working. And kind of like we saw in uh, what I think was – Mayweather's uh best fight in the sort of the second half of his career and that was the first Maidana fight um is when when a counter puncher has a guy who just is relentless in coming after him uh it makes for good fights and I think that's what we saw last night uh and credit to Demetrius Andrade because he could have he could have just moved more uh rather than engaging him um and so I think that uh You know it was definitely it was more fun to watch than a lot of his fights because he like maintained that strategy throughout because a lot of times he'll he'll be really exciting for maybe four rounds and then sort of coasts yep uh uh, but um last night uh i thought he was um it was one of his better fights and i thought you know it is, I think, that a, a fight with Golovkin or with Charlo could be interesting and, and fun because uh, much more Golovkin than Charlo, Golovkin will come right after him, uh, and that could make for a fun fight.
1: Golovkin is, is is done. He's too old. We don't need to see that. Charlo, I would love to see Andre fight him because Charlo. both Charlos, in my opinion, are frauds. Um, so we'd get a really good uh, taste. The, the 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 two fights that stick out for me um, would be Mugaya um, and Chris Eubank Jr. I, the reason why I like Mugaya against Demetrius is Mugaya takes a you know you know he there's, there's not a punch he doesn't want to eat right on the right on hey. the ch, fight face you know. And what I noticed last night, and it was it was so obvious. You know, the announcing team, which wasn't the normal team, which really, really showed last night. Uh, Chris Algieri, he he made history, but I I don't want to hear him anymore uh, as as an announcer. But, um, you know, they're going, oh, uh, Williams is starting to really uh, withstand these punches. It's like leather. It's like he's getting tougher by the round. You know, no, I think it was the oomph was being removed from Demetrius's punches that's what it was it wasn't that he was handling them better it was that they weren't hurting as much and I think that it would be interesting to see if he couldn't take mugaya out in a couple of rounds which no one else has yet to see how mugaya would 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 beat down Williams because I mean uh, Andre because make no mistake Williams had him hurt a couple of times in that fight if it wasn't for the referee helping him I mean Williams had less talent uh he was fighting Demetrius andrade and he was fighting a referee in that fight so i mean he didn't have a chance
2: yeah the ref did seem uh questionable a few times um but uh i you know uh hyman mongia i think would be um yeah in terms of the just the physicality that would be interesting because um he's one of those guys that by the time he rehydrated, I bet you he'd be you know close to 170, if not over 170, um, and uh, that's a lot to have leaning on you. Um, so it would it would tire Andrade out, and I and I wonder what the um, you know what the championship rounds of a fight like that would look like. Uh, I kind of I think that one of the things that happened is that. Um, w- Andrade was started, with Williams at least, would start landing just one punch at a time. Um, there was a couple of times where he did uh, stand there in the pocket and just rattle off. I think I think it was like maybe the start of the 10th round or something. There was one round where he rattled off like four shots in a row and then rolled out. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, Munguia will stand there and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that... Um, I think Williams is better than Munguia. but I think Munguia has that physicality that uh, would could be a factor. Um, but Andrade's movement is really clever, so I do think that he deserves. I, I, I couldn't hear uh, most of what you and Dax said because the YouTube uh, thing fell off. But um, I think you know I think he is in the right place in terms of ranking, in terms of you know one of the, the top three guys at middleweight. Uh, top two guys um, but uh, it, cause if, if Canelo's not there um, but yeah I would I think that you know it's tiresome that we have um, you know there's like two or three guys at the top of the division let's see them fight and then there'll be one you know or one champion that we could look at and then sometimes if it comes out to be a great fight that's close uh, you know well you, you have to have another one
1: <laughs> hey, you but know- yeah they've got to meet you know, it, it, the division is weak. The division is weak. I, I, I did something that I, I think you'd be interested in. So I took the uh, ratings, the rankings uh, for the 19, 1950, 1960, 1970, 1980. Um, it's amazing to see uh, these fighters. But in 1950, the middleweight champion was Jake LaMotta. Number one ranked, Sugar Ray Robinson. Uh, number two, Laurent uh, Datherville. Number three, Dave Sands, I, I don't know much about him. Number four, Randy Turpin, uh, Jimmy Bowe, number five, Eugene Harrison, number six, Roy Barnes, number seven, Robert Villerman, who was the guy that Robinson ended up, I believe, winning his middleweight title from uh, originally, the first time he won it, which was in Pennsylvania, Patty Young and, and Walter Cartier. That's 1950. When you go to 1960, now Paul Pender's the champ, Gene Fulmer, Gustav Schultz, Hank Casey, Joey Gardiello, Sugar Ray Robinson, Henry, Henry Hank, Joey Gambria, uh, Terry Downs, Don Fulmer, Dick Tiger, uh, one he's on his way up. That's 60. 1970, Carlos Monzon, Nino Benvediti, uh, Emil Griffith, uh, Luis Rodriguez, Carmo uh, Carmelo Bossi, Frazier Scott, uh, Juan Carlos Duran. Doyle Barr, Denny Moyer, Tom Boggs, Rafael Gutiérrez, and in 1980, uh, where, uh, you know, when you look at uh, the middleweights through these decades, you know, really, uh, again, we've been talking about Marvin Hagler, but doesn't this put it in perspective when you're uh, reading all those names from 1950, 60, and here, 1980, um Hagler's the champ. Alan Minter, number one. Dwight Davidson, uh, number two. Vito Fermo, number three. Fluenzigo, uh, blah, 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 blah. blah, blah. Uh, Curtis Parker, number five. Uh, Hampshire, number six. Uh, Wilfred uh, Scipion, Cis- number seven. Ronnie Harris, Frank Fletcher, Tony Simpson. I mean, we, these were strong divisions through all those decades, and now you, you look at the middleweight division, and we're talking about uh two two guys maybe three you can't put canelo in that mix because he destroys them all i i would like more of a catch weight sean porter maybe a keith thurman move up to 154 i don't think demetrius has a problem going back to 154 that would be more interesting the middleweight division's hurting right now alex
2: i don't know i mean i think the golovkin fight uh would be fun because um and you're right i think golovkin does not have a lot left in him and i think that might be part of why it's more fun is uh as we know you know as a guy gets longer in the tooth he's willing to uh take more chances sometimes um and uh kind of because he has to um and i think that um So that fight could be interesting. I don't see the Charlo fight happening just because...
1: Charlo uh, doesn't fight anybody.
2: Yeah, and it doesn't seem like of all these guys, the guys who seem to be the least likely to sort of cross the street, as they say, are the PBC guys. Um, Now, I'm sure, you know, don't at me. Don't at me, bro, with examples of guys who've crossed the street. But I, I don't. You know you don't see it as much at least i not that it comes to mind um in the top echelon um so i don't know uh and i think the love and andrade would be a fun fight um it's what at some of these point at one point uh, i'd love to go to a fight uh again it'd be really nice um i do get my uh, second vaccine tomorrow uh billy c but now they say that <laughs> I have the Pfizer one. They say I'm going to need a third.
1: (laughs) Well, listen, Uh, I was all signed up to get mine, and I preferred the Johnson & Johnson one. Um, Something told me not to. I didn't. Nothing, obviously, all the negatives that you're hearing about that one is is pretty much for younger uh, females, but... Um, now you're hearing that uh, they're going to need booster, and their their statistics are coming back. That the people that ha- have been vaccinated with any of the vaccines are coming down with it, and they're getting it worse. I mean, I, they just don't know what they're, they're throwing a ball against the wall and seeing where it bounces. And it's it's all it's it's all part. Oh, you're going to love this next line. I know we're going to lose some viewers right now, but <laughs> oh you, you know it's what? all part of the mass brainwashing techniques that they're doing right now. Fear is number one. We're all afraid to go out. Oh, and, and I love this CDC. Yeah, after you get vaccination, you only need to wear one mask. What? One mask. How many were we supposed to be wearing? Because remember he said you needed to wear two. You need the one and then you need the shield over that. But anyway, the one fight. Let's get back to boxing before. I, well, I'm a, and,
2: and that's the thing about what I've heard about those face shields is that they're if you don't have a mask on underneath, it's, unless there's like spray of blood and like bodily fluids coming at you, they're useless because... It's like you know, air can go right underneath. So essentially, that face shield is wearing you.
1: Hey, you know what's funny? You see all these mandatory. Okay, you want to? We're letting a little bit of audience in for boxing, right? And they pan the audience. How many actually have the face masks on? They all have them on their person, but they're all dropped down. Even the officials. You know, I, I mean. You know, some of the guys, okay, the ring announcer, you can't have it on. But half the corner, some of them have it on. Some of them have it around their neck. I mean, you know, it's like, come on. You well, know? and
2: that's one of the things, too, if you go to the movies now, is you have to wear, and same thing with restaurants, you have to wear the mask in. But then once you sit down, you can stuff food in your face hole. So, of course, you got to take the mask off, you know. so
1: Yeah, and it, it, was, a, it was a funny thing. Uh, the other day, I uh, somebody was like, oh, you want some jelly? And I had a mask on. So I'm like, oh yeah, and I grabbed a handful of jelly beans and I fucking threw them at myself and forgot that I had the mask on and needless to say there was jelly beans all over the place. And of course everyone saw it, you know, so it was like, you know, like a bonehead move by Billy Sheep. But anyway, one fight I would like to see in the middleweight division, Demetrius Andrade, and, and you know, a lot of people are gonna wonder why this I'm throwing this name out there, but I think he's extremely underrated. Terrarino Johnson, I think, would give Demetrius Andrade a good fight, at least if he's on that day. You know, I've seen good versions of Johnson and bad, but Terrarino Johnson is a name that, um, you know, people may not remember or notice because no one really wants to fight that cat. You know, uh, he's uh, he's pretty good. He's a talented fighter. but uh, Wasn't he
2: the first guy who sort of exposed Curtis Stevens who I thought – Kind of deserved a decision over Stevens. Yes, but- you
1: remember that fight? That yeah. fight? That fight was unbelievable. Um, and it just was like in the what the second or last round, and and uh, he he comes comes off the ropes, and I, you know I thought I thought he it was a quick count. I I, I don't know. He should have won that fight. Curtis. They they waved off Curtis uh, Johnson. Oh, okay. It was it was, it was Johnson was beating the snot out of Stevens for the whole fight. And then uh, he had him against the ropes. Uh, Stevens had him against the ropes, and they immediately jump in and wave it off. You know, it was it was not fair because Johnson, he was hurt. He was hurt. But because yeah. he was beating them the whole fight, they should have given him a chance to at least come back. You know, uh, anyway. Um, a fight that took place last week that we didn't get a chance to talk about. I wanted to get your thoughts. I thought it was the anti uh, Demetrius Andre type fight. Uh, Joe Smith Jr. and Maxim Vlasov fought an exciting uh, fight for the vacant WBO light heavyweight title. What was your thoughts on that one?
2: Uh, I really enjoyed that fight. I thought it was really good. Um, A lot of fun to watch. Um, I really enjoyed Maxim Vlasov's just very bold um, style, uh, you know, uh, he makes it look easy with his hands down. Uh, and, you know, that's sort of, that's a good example of sweet science because he's right there in front of you, um, but he's hard to hit. And he's, um, he's making the fight because he's busy as hell. Um, and uh, I thought he won that fight. I, I didn't think that Smith won more than four rounds, um, but, you know, it was close, uh, there's certainly been far more egregious uh, decisions, and I think that, um, you know, you, as is typical, Billy C., uh, a lot of times we're, when you're listening to the commentary, you're, you're kind of hearing people push a product more than covering an event, um, and that's kind of what it felt like because, especially Joe Tessitore, it was it to him, it was like there was one guy in there. I know, Joe, I
1: Joe know, Junior, the House guy.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and that's always disappointing. I think. You know, and I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks casuals, you know, can't see through that or hear through that, but maybe they can. Maybe that's just my own.
1: Neither neither does expert uh, people. You, look, do I have to remind you about the Hagler Sugar Ray Leonard fight that we all watched with no sound, and and people were shocked at their own scorecards? But you know, I, the 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 fight, I, I thought um, he he fought a lot like Usyk. Um, you know, with the way he was he was fighting. I'm talking about Vlazov, you know, the, with his boxing skill and the constant uh, punches in the face. And, and I've talked about this for years, how we all know what the scoring criteria is, but we don't have it in a specific order. So if you're a judge at ringside and you're watching that fight and you're scoring um, more uh, emphasis on power punches, that would explain why Joe Smith Jr. won the fight. If you were scoring more on the amount of punches or percentage of punches that were landed, you would have had to give it to Vlazov. And that's why I, I was okay with with any way that fight turned out. You know, Smith won it by a hair. I wouldn't have been upset if Vlazov won it by a hair. And I certainly wouldn't have been upset if the fight ended in a draw. To me, it was that close. But the boxing skill of Vlazov was clearly the dominant. And you're 100% right. Um... It's, it's, it's unfortunate that we watch bias events like that where the house fighter is the one getting all the accolades. We saw it last night with Boo Boo Andre, you know, with the referee. You know, you got an opponent coming in, not only is the announcing team, uh, you know, favoring one fighter, but when you have the officials, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like you, you, you don't stand a chance. You need to win by knockout, and, and that's how the sport has become, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and and I do think that um, that was one of the things that uh, was sort of, especially with Andrade, was that um, I think he was the one who, especially as the fight went on, doing a lot of the initiating, at least a lot of the holding. And it seemed um, that it was still the referee was a little more uh, hard on Williams rather than him. Um, but, you know, and they were in on neutral territory, right? Well, I mean, I guess they were in America, uh, and you know, one boxer is Welsh, the other is American, so maybe that's a factor. But um, uh, I don't know. It wasn't like it was in Providence or something, so uh, it was a little, a little. But you know, those these things happen, and I and I do think that's one of the things about that's so great about our sport, Billy really, C, is that you know, I, I'm sure you remember the. Um, the great Jack Blackburn, that was one of the things he said early uh, to Joe Lewis was that, you know, you're black, and uh, it's going to be tough for you to get decisions, so let your right fist be the referee.
1: Right. Uh, and I always love that. <laughs> um, you know, getting back to – I was just – I was amazed at the ring uh, ratings for, for these decades. and talk about the heavyweight division, and, and this is interesting because in 1950 – The champion was Ezra Charles. Ezra Charles is almost a forgotten guy today, uh, as talented as he was, and he really was a light heavyweight. But check out the top ten guys. Joe Lewis was number one, right? Lee Savold, number two. Remember that name for a second. Joey Maxim, who was a light heavyweight, he was number three. Clarence Henry, number four. Bob Baker, uh, another uh, name in the heavyweight division, as well as – light heavyweight he's number five rex lane another name to keep an eye on number six jersey joe number seven jack garter number eight lee uma another name to keep an eye on number nine and number 10 rocky marciano the reason why i say keep an, an eye on those names lee savold and and bob baker rex lane lee uma they were all opponents of rocky marciano that marciano got criticized for fighting they were all top 10 fighters you know what I mean? At least in 1950. Right. So, um And Jersey Joe, of course. Uh, I'm, I look at that that photo right across in the studio of the the disfigured face of, of Jersey Joe from the power. Um, and then you move ahead to 1960. Uh, Floyd Patterson, number one. Sonny Liston, I mean, uh, was the champion. Sonny Liston, number one. Joh- Igmar Johansson, number two. Eddie Machen, number three. Zora Foley, number four. Henry Cooper, number five. Uh, Mike Dijon, number six. Robert Cloureau, number seven. Alex Midoff, Dick Richardson, Joe Eskine. Um, But again, you see how the division developed. It's something we don't see. This is why I'm bringing it up. You go through, and and nothing's different uh, in 1970 and 1980, except talk about a stacked, (laughs) I'll read this and I'll stop because I can keep going on and on. 1970 heavyweights, Alex. Joe Frazier's the champ. Ali's ranked number one. George Foreman, number two. Oscar Benavida, number three. Jerry wow. Quarry, number four. Mac Foster, number five. Henry Cooper, number six. George Chavallo, number seven. Sonny Liston on his comeback, number eight. And then uh, uh, Jose Abar uh, Ertain and Jose Luis Garcia uh, bring up nine and ten. Um, these are, to me, the reason why we can say that the fighters. Were so much better back then because they climbed up that ladder of the of the of the uh, rankings, which they don't really do anymore. What they do now is all of a sudden a name will appear in the rankings and he becomes the mandatory. But he didn't climb the ladder in in those uh, eras that I just uh, shot out at you. You saw the climbing of of the ladder by by these future champs that were in the rankings. Um, and and it just it, it makes for better champions because they had to climb the ladder you know what I mean
2: absolutely absolutely yeah and I think what would be interesting is to take like um, the current middleweight division and look at maybe what 2011 and see if that happened or see if there's names that popped in and popped away and I have a feeling you're right that it would be a lot of there probably would be a few names that popped in and, and went away Um but that they're probably – because 10 years ago, we're probably still talking about – maybe not Canelo yet, but um, I think Golovkin um, was still up there. Um, but, yeah, I, I, when, you, when you were reading the Hagler one, and I think this is the same thing with the heavyweights, especially Ali, um, look at Hagler and look at Ali's uh, record later. Those guys that you mentioned in the top 10, Alex Miteff, Mike Dijon – um, Oscar Bonavena, all those guys. Ali fought. Frazier fought. Um, same thing with mil- marvelous Marvin Hagler. Vito Antifirma, once he was a champion, he, he fought him a third time. Uh, Wilfred Scipion was in the top ten. He fought him. Fulgencio Obamahias, or, or Fulio Bell, as they shortened his name. Uh, Hagler stopped him twice. Uh, Tony Sibson, another one, was in the top ten you mentioned. He has a KO over him. So, yeah, I, I think that nobody can be responsible for the quality of the fighters that are, who are there in their, in their era, but you are responsible for what you do against them. And like you said, if Marciano, he cleaned those guys out, uh, and laid waste to them. Well, then that's it. You're the champion. Now would it be nice if there was a better challenger for you. Yeah. But you, you're not responsible for that. You know, I mean, that's time. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, that's it's, why guys
2: move up. That's why guys move down.
1: Exactly. Uh, that's
2: why guys come out of retirement.
1: Exactly. Know, so. It's. I mean, you can only be criticized for not fighting the top guys of your era. And that's why right. I'm so – crit- And I think
2: that's why we people will look back at the last – Now, granted, maybe this year you get a little bit of an asterisk because of the pandemic, but will people will look back at this Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence crap and just be like, nah, that fight should have been made.
1: Well, it's it's, it's uh, same Whatever thing.
2: excuses about it, the fighters themselves, uh, you know, uh, would Tommy Hearns would have done everything he could to get the other guy in the ring? Would he take a smaller paycheck? Yeah. They, uh, I, I mean, I don't know.
1: They it, cared. You know, it, it. There was more pride. Look at Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather did not fight the top ten guys of his divisions that he fought in throughout his career. He didn't. He cherry-picked. You you talk about it. this is an interesting thing because in nine when Mike Tyson rose to the top, the biggest knock on him was ah, he never fought anybody. The heavyweight division sucked, right? Well, nineteen eighty, the heavyweight division was like this. Larry Holmes was the champion, Mike Weaver was number one, Jerry Cooney number two, Leon Spinks number three, Michael Dokes number four, Jerry Coetzee, number five, Marty Monroe number six, Trevor Burbick number seven, Greg Page number eight. Bernardo Mercado, number nine, and Kenny Norton at number 10. You could make the argument that Mike Tyson uh, cleaned up the heavyweight division with whoever was available when he fought the heavyweight division because he did clean it up. And you talk about welterweight, same era. Um, Sugar Ray Leonard was the champion in the uh, welterweight division. Tommy Hearns, number one. Wilfred Benitez, number two. Pepino Cuevas number three. Roberto Duran, number four. Randy Shields, number five. Pete Ranese, uh, number six, Adolfo Verrett, number seven, uh, Jürgen Hansen, number eight, Louis Premier, number nine, and Clint Jackson, number 10. Um, and then you could look at the junior middleweights and the junior welterweights and the middleweights of the time. They all ended up fighting each other. I mean, yeah, the 1980s was the last great era of boxing because it has never been the same since. And when you look at it in black and white and start thinking about the names and who they fought and and i just grabbed 50s 60s 70s and 80s and you you start looking at these divisions um and you see that they climbed those rungs of the ladder that's what made them so good that's what made them legitimate champions and by the way um there were only 10 top 10 contenders at least up until the uh 80s the rest of these you know there wasn't there wasn't uh Four sanctioning bodies with their own top fifteen that you deal with now. So I talk about diluted. Uh, it's uh, it's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, it is. It, it, it's disheartening, um, but I think we still, you know, it's amazing because the sport pushes forward, you know, and we still get good fights um, and there's still good matchups. And if you looked at um, uh, Showtime's summer schedule, it's pretty exciting. Um, there's some good matchups on there um, at 154 and 115. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean I, I think and maybe this is a good segue because I think there's not a lot of movement at some of the, the very best uh, mouth watering matchups uh, that we have, which would be Crawford Spence and Joshua Fury. And Joshua Fury is really frustrating because we basically suffered through what was it? Uh, uh, how many deadlines came and went this week? three? Well, um, well I was gonna
1: know. I was gonna get your thoughts on that if you think it's gonna happen because today is the final. Uh, offers for the it's for the, the deadline on
2: the deadline <laughs> the
1: deadline today's the deadline for the deadline. Okay, and um, you know they have many many offers. That's all they keep saying. We have so many offers, we don't know which to choose from. My question is, I don't think it's the offers. We know that they're gonna have to if 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 they can't have a live gate, they're gonna have to go to the biggest dollar offer for the for the uh, site fee, and that's gonna end up being in the Middle East somewhere because they're gonna throw the money around um you know the zone will have it on tv and i guess espn as well I, i think that's part of the deal but will the fight really happen i mean they've said that they signed the deal but it had they had 30 days to come up with it otherwise the deal is null and void um i think that that time is almost here um two fight deals sounded great on paper alex 50 50 for the first fight 60-40 Sixty forty goes to the winner of the for the second fight, the winner of the first fight gets 60 uh, uh, for their second fight Dax was saying that he believed that they should both have a, a fight before the fight, I think that the way the contract is written it leaves plenty of, plenty of promotional tools to promote the second fight by using the fact that they didn't have a warm up fight first in the first fight, you know do you think it's going to happen this year?
2: I sure hope so. Um, I, no, I, I don't have a lot of hope. Uh, if it does happen, I don't think it's going to happen this summer. I think it would be more like the fall, uh, so or at least America's fall, so like October or November. Um, and that, that's the thing about this that I think is unfortunate, is um, in a way you have uh, – it's a regional squabble, right? Uh, this is uh, two guys from the UK.
1: So let's have it in the Middle East.
2: I, I know. To me, that's <laughs> the part that's the most disappointing, and I, I think that that's, you know, the, the situation with the pandemic is there's no way to control that. So uh, I do see, you know, because it's like it's a fight that needs to happen, Um but it's a fight that you don't want to happen without it being all that it could be, right? And that means that means a packed arena, right? In London,
1: exactly. Because uh-huh. let let's let's be real. There's no better fans really at a live gate than the, than the Brits. I mean, they 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 just make the fight. And and eh, not that I'm promoting alcohol, drinking alcohol, but it definitely adds to it. Now you go to the Middle East. They're not allowed to cheer. They're not allowed to clap. They're not allowed to drink. They're not allowed to do anything. They're lucky they're allowed to go watch it. And basically, they're trying to showcase their country how how you know uh, uh, I don't know uh, how how they are how hospitable hospitable they are you know um, how refined they are. Um, but are they even boxing fans? I mean, how many how many historically How many champions have have come from the Middle East besides Amir Khan, who's really is a Brit, you know, so I I, I don't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the part of it that would be, you know, would be cool in the sense that you're getting a part of the world is being exposed to boxing that probably has not had a lot, at least not live exposure. Um, But certainly, you know, especially the way TV is now today, they certainly have been able to watch boxing. Um, but, uh, and I think this is not something new either. When you think about it, uh, this is maybe the way the world has changed. Um, we have sort of seen, uh, many, uh, over the last two decades, I would see, I would say we've gone past the sort of the post-American sort of super fight. Uh, there's been a lot of super fights that neither guy is American. Um, and, uh. So, But the thing that we've also seen is like everyday fans, John Q. Public is sort of locked out of the actual live events um, because of pricing, um, because of just where something is. Uh, if you think about like um, Pacquiao Mayweather, Uh, I mean, you couldn't go to that fight if you were John Q. Public. You had to be pretty wealthy to get a hold of those tickets. So I think that's the kind of thing that that's what's sort of unfortunate is that the heavyweight championship of the world is always a spectacle as well as a sporting event. So that's what they'd be capitalizing if it is in Dubai or Saudi Arabia is that people would show up. Um, but, yeah, it's not going to be the boxing junkie, Neil Diamond singing, you know, point uh, two blood alcohol level uh, <laughs> screaming fan that you would get it at, at Wembley. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm being a little... Uh,
1: no, you're being very accurate, and you forget, <laughs> and, and and you forgot you forgot yeah. the you forgot the gorgeous women too because they're all over the place, you know, and that's all part of it. It's all part of. it. Hey, Alex, but before I let you go, I wanted to read an email that I wanted to get your thoughts on. Um, it was actually sent to me uh, uh, two weeks ago. We haven't done a show, and it's by my man Jordan, uh, out of uh, the UK. He said, uh, "Hey Billy, C, am delighted uh, that you guys are back doing your show." Uh, he said, "It's the first time I've been able to listen since the Pulev uh, Anthony Joshua fight." He says, "I have a quick question about boxing uh, that took place uh, that about boxing that took place this weekend in the UK." Now, this was right after Povetkin and Dillian White had to fight. He says, "On the undercard of the Povetkin White," he says, "Chris Congo was fighting Michael McKinson." And regularly throughout the fight, they had an exchange of punches, and one of them would raise their arm with, with the commentators saying that they were letting the judges know that they landed shots and therefore won that exchange. Once one of them had raised the arm, the other one always raised their arms almost immediately by presumably saying that the other one was lying, and they thought they had won that round. I couldn't help thinking what a waste of time, just fight. I watch boxing regularly, both current and old fights, and I don't ever recall seeing this before, and certainly not at the regularity that each fighter was doing it. Is it something you've seen before? Uh, and it's from my man Jordan out of the UK. I, when I read this email, when he wrote it, I actually responded to him and told him that I've never seen that, ever. It sounds more like an um, amateur type of a, a move, um, but what's the point of raising the arm you know are, are are the judges if you have a set of judges that need you to tell them who won the round you got the wrong judges what's your thoughts on this email
2: oh i agree with that but i i yeah i don't i don't think i've ever seen that before it does sound especially if it was the prelim maybe it was guys that were just recently turned pro Um, because it does very much sound like something like you're almost helping out the amateur judges. Yeah, but Um,
1: remember, in the UK, the referee is scoring those fights.
2: Oh, right. So, yeah, so that could be that. And then the reason why the other fighter must have kept doing it is because his opponent was doing it. And that's sort of what happens a lot of times in in any kind of boxing match, and and even in other sports, too, is when you're in the midst of a competition – if one guy does something to you, you do it right back.
1: It's sort of uh, like a, I know you are, but what am I?
2: Yeah, that kind of a thing. So it could very well be that uh, – because, you know, you see that kind of thing. If we, if I land a shot you know, and you shake your head, then you land a shot and I shake my head. So that kind of thing. Uh, I, I think that's probably what it was. Um, but, yeah, that is weird and it is unnecessary and a waste of time. Um, and I do think that – And that's one of those things, you know, they must have been early in their career because as you, uh, you know, progress, you're going to realize what's the point. Uh, And that was one of the things that I thought was kudos to Andrade last night is um, you saw he he was emotionless through most of that fight. And that's got to be tough for him because he's a very, uh, uh, I don't know if you saw his post-fight interview, but there was a clip where he was like, singing, uh, or like mumbling a DMX song. (laughs) It was like, that clip is just, I've seen it on Twitter a few times. Um, but, uh, he never let, you know, Williams get into his head. Um, and that's, that's where a fighter wants to be. I think is uh, the emotionless fighters tend to do better, uh, because, you know, you don't get caught up in, um, uh, you can make a mistake when you get emotional, you know?
1: No doubt. No doubt. Some fighters like to press the button. And, you know, the one thing we know as fans, uh, when somebody gets hit and they shake their head saying it didn't hurt them, it hurt them.
2: It usually means it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Alex, look forward to next week, my man.
2: All right, Billy C., take care. All right,
1: that's my main man, Alex Papali, giving us his thoughts. And he didn't see that either. Uh, and neither did uh, Leon Williams He didn't see any of those uppercuts That Boo Boo was landing on a regular basis uh, Throughout that fight But uh, anyway I got a couple of more emails to read um, And um, this one's uh, from my man uh, Jeff As a matter of fact I got back to back emails from Jeff Two different uh, days uh, He says uh, hey Billy C unfortunately Frampton Should have learned from Canelo versus Smith How to uh, battle a much larger opponent He never learned to adjust to his style. I couldn't believe he was trying to headhunt rather than work the body and the arms. He walked right into danger with no clue. I love the guy, and he's accomplished much, but he refused to keep learning. Uh, He never had a chance. No, and it's good that he's retired, uh, Jeff. And uh, Jeff went on to say, uh, I watched Liam come up and was disappointed uh, at his results against Smith. Figured he'd reach his peak. Uh, I heard he was fighting Demetrius Andrade, and I told every Brit fan not to be too hopeful versus Andrade, who's underrated and skillful with power. It's just a step too far. They told me to watch Williams since changing trainers and moving up in weight, and I must admit, I may have written him off a little too soon. He does look strong and even more uh, more quick-handed at this weight. His demolition of Scott was quite impressive, and Scott did give Andre some hell for a few rounds. Never too old to learn. I still believe Andre is a step up in competition, but quite possibly not the step too far I was quick to label. Can't wait for crowds to come back, especially for these English fighters who feed off their loyal fans. This is something Alex and I were just talking about. Uh, he said, we've had some excellent COVID-19 fights, but boxing, uh, nothing can replace a, a raucous crowd. Uh, thrilled that you guys are doing shows again, uh, and it's even more thrilling to hear that Sal uh, is doing well against his toughest opponent to date. Uh, yes, it is, and we're hoping to get uh, Sal uh, to join us here uh, very soon. As a matter of fact, uh, I am going to reach out to him again this week and see if uh, uh, we can not coordinate something uh, sooner than later. My final thoughts, Dimitri Sandrade uh, did put on one of his – more um, exciting fights this past uh, weekend uh, over Leon Williams. Uh, he's just missing something. Uh, apologize for being a little frustrated earlier with the uh, uh, password situation, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, I just want to remind everybody uh, to uh, get a a bottle or two of the Southern Gourmet Spice uh, .com. Visit the website. You got Kenny Bear's uh, classic. Uh, barbecue rub, which I love. I put it on everything. Uh, They're all-purpose seasoned salt. And my new Cajun rub, uh, which is uh, my new favorite. Uh, and don't forget to get your copy of the title bout championship computer game. You can get that right off our website, billycboxing.com. And, of course, my book, Tom Molino From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet. Get yourself a copy now. If you want a signed copy, just drop me an email, billy at talkingboxing, T A L K I N. B-O-X-I-N-G. Or if you have anything else to say, drop me an email. I'll read it right here on the next show. Hey, don't forget, make sure you tune in next time. Uh, Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.